0: podcasting from astrolab studios this is continuum drag a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi fantasy and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended this week space above and beyond episodes 18 and 19
1: no i don't like being alone mr hawks but it has offered me the chance to study our enemy, learn his tactics and some of his language to a degree I'm certain no human has achieved. And one day I will return with what I've learned here alone. And that information will help defeat this horrific enemy that massacred my friends. But if I were to return now, they'd have me back on inventory of packaged foods and blankets, while completing forms seven nine. And while I realize the vital importance of that role, it's not enough for me. For those friends I've lost, it's not enough.
0: Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast with the squeakiest chairs in the business. (laughs) (laughs) They are, they are very
2: squeaky. (laughs) I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan oh you know we're we're two guys here having some hot beverages on a cold day listen to that chair it's so squeaky i know it's a bit much but I'll, I'll try to stay very still yeah we just can't move at all well i i think i'm in a good position now i'm sitting the way i've been told not to sit so yeah
0: your leg muscles are shortening by the second
2: <laughs> yeah well what are you to use those for we're gonna have one of those hover carts eventually and i'll just sit I'll just, on that i'll just sit on that i'll be fine you should just get a segue anyway yeah, I saw one person actually in an office. <laughs> we, we can cut this out. I was working at this one office, and I saw someone just going down the hallway. Like that was clearly what they used to get from the washroom to their office or whatever. I thought that's weird, right? Like, do you think they brought that from home? Oh, I, do you think the office supplied it? Yeah, this is just part of the office's complimentary Segway yeah. program. Like, because it's, it's not Google, right? It's not one of these things where you'd assume there'd be a lot of I don't know hacky sacks in the hallway and Segways going by. I think that's just somebody who uh, committed early to a Segway, right? They bought it and they're like, "Damn it, I'm going to use it." This is this is my life now. It's great. I live in the future. The rest of you suckers are just using their legs. I was just hoping I'd keep seeing her flopping over under her face on one point, but
0: never happened. <laughs> Your hope is that everyday life turns into a fail video. Any chance yes. you get, please, please. <laughs> All right, Jordan. So it's finally time. Let's reboot Space Above and Beyond as a major motion picture. <laughs>
2: Beep, boo, 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 boo. I had music there.
0: That's good. That's good. Let's we'll just keep that and loop it. <laughs> That's the new theme. <laughs> all right, Jordan. I'm going to go through the cast and we'll give some suggestions and we'll see if we can, uh, first of all, cast this blockbuster because this is going to be like a huge summer blockbuster.
2: Okay. Let me just say, you had told me ahead of time we were going to reboot it so I could have some things prepared. I had such trouble casting this and I and I don't know if it was me or if the characters are, are I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't think of people. So I actually had Laura help me. So some of these picks will be Laura's picks because I was like, ah, I don't know anymore. And then, so then I literally have an email where she sent me <laughs> headshots and names because I think she knows that I don't know anyone whose anyone name is. So I have pictures to go with it. That's very funny. Yeah. I actually, um, these are pretty earnest.
0: I, I tried to go through and find like age appropriate. That was, too. I think
2: that was part of my issue because I, I had picked a couple ones. And like, I'll say right now, one of the people for the lead who, this is not gonna be my pick was, um, Oh, no, I don't even remember his name now. Uh, pretty Boy. What's his West? face? No, yeah, no, but uh, the Hawks. actor in the real life. Uh, what are you talking
0: about? There's a, a real life actor's name. Yeah. He's very pretty. Yeah, I can't remember his name. There's
2: only one actor who looks very good. Who is it? Uh, James Franco. No. Anyways, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But <laughs> the point being, I can't remember his name now. I picked him and then Laura's like, he's like in his mid 30s. and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. You know, what's very funny. I
0: knew coming into this that my odds on bet for your picks were going to be all people
2: over 40 because I think you stopped paying attention to actors in like 1995. That's what my problem was. So I I had major issues. So she's gone by and, and edited, I think, this list a little bit. So I'll mention some names on this, but I have no idea who these people are.
0: That's all right. I actually have shortened my list. I have, I've got one name per character, so we can okay. go through a bunch of them and we'll, and we'll go on.
2: Let's, let's start with uh, Nathan West. Okay, so my picks are not allowed. So uh, the two people that that Laura said, I should, although there's no way I want this little weenie kid here. I don't know who this is. This kid's (laughs) name is Cole Sprouse. It's one pick. And then Ty Sheridan. Here's the two of them. You want to see them? Oh, I know who Cole Sprouse and Ty Sheridan are. (laughs) Well, she said to me, I said, he's a real weenie. And then she said, yeah, but that's the character. That's very funny. My
0: my pick was uh, Lucas Hedges. Who's that? He's from uh, Manchester by the Sea and Three Billboards and Lady Bird. He's like the son in all of those movies, not Lady Bird, but I can't I can't picture him. But sure, did you see Three Billboards? Yeah, he's Francis McDormand's son. Yeah, I can't picture him though. Did you see Manchester by the Sea?
2: No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Anyways, I, I think I know who he is. Sure, yeah. This is this to is be a tough one because uh, they're too young. That's the problem. You're right. All my all my references are from the 1940s. I don't I don't know any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you want to just pick someone random then, since you know so well? Let's pick your guy. All right, Lucas Hedges. You get you get the nod, and he's gonna be the so he's gonna be the star of this movie. This this uh, yeah, this little this little clown. Oh, <laughs> you don't even know what he looks like. I have no idea what he looks like. All right, Lieutenant Shane Vanson. What did Laura give us? Well, I was trying to think of like tough actresses, and uh, I couldn't think of it. Like I thought, you know, she's kind of. She's one of the guys, and she's in right, the right. battle, and but I couldn't really think of anyone that was age appropriate. I mean, Sigourney Weaver would be great for it <laughs> in, in 1978, maybe. But I I really do. You have a list of the old actors? No, I, I have to pull it up. But it was literally stuff like that. I would, I would, think I would love it. to hear the version of this movie you imagined. Okay, what Laura told me was um, an actress named Katie McGrath.
0: I don't know who that is actually.
2: Let's have a look. I mean, she looks like Vanson. I still don't know who it is
0: though. Yeah, anyways, that, that's my pick. <laughs> I, uh, I picked Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. Okay. A little uh, one of the Stark sisters. Yeah, sure. What do you think? Uh, let's, uh, I don't even remember who your girl's name is, so maybe we'll go with Sophie Turner. Yeah. Because
2: <laughs> I, I have to remember this later. I've had such issues with this. I just, don't, I don't, I'm too old, I guess. If Laura listens to stuff, so she's going to be fucking furious. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. We're rejecting
0: all of her things. But she's, no,
2: it's just, well, the fact that she did the work, I just can't. I had two things here for Hawks, but again, I think they're too old. She's gonna love my pick for Lieutenant Cooper Hawks. Okay, who is it? Cole Sprouse. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, well well, we might as well put him in then, but I put Tom Hardy, who's too old. Right. And then I put Chris Hemsworth, who's also too old, right?
0: I mean, you know, they're they're they would they would stand out. I guess we could do it where they don't
2: all have to be rookies. They can just be a squad. Yeah. Uh well, we're too far into it now. So Cole Spruce is yeah, the old Sprucey, He's in. Oh man,
0: we got a real, real young squad.
2: This here. is really young. Well, you know what? This is for the YouTube generation. So <laughs> any YouTube stars <laughs> that like do makeup tutorials that we could put in here?
0: Who's uh, who's
2: that guy who uh, likes to film hanging bodies in forests? Oh man, oh yeah. You know what's funny? I was I was talking about him that this week with someone, and I said I don't know who he is. Paul. I don't, I don't know what he does. Hogan. But as someone who's over thirty. Logan Paul. Ah, I got that. Sure. All I know about him is he filmed someone who had committed suicide. So I'm now someone's parent where my only reference is this one horrible thing. You know, it's like you're listening to that band with that bad music, you know, sort of thing. That's yeah, yeah, what yeah.
0: I've become now. Well, we've reached that age. Yeah, I guess. Got, can't stay young forever, Jordan. It's true. You got to love the things you loved when you were 12 forever. <laughs>
2: hmm. All right. You want to do Lieutenant Paul Wang? Yeah. So again, I got I have a Laura pick and then my pick. Okay, great. Okay, so Laura's pick was an actor named Ross Butler, this guy. Oh, yeah. He actually looks a lot like Wang. Yeah, so actually, that was a pretty good pick. My pick was Andy Serkis CGI'd to look like someone. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Um, pretty good, though. Sounds... You know, they have the budget for it. Very problematic. But <laughs> <laughs> he's playing. He's playing an Asian... Yeah, The Wang.
0: Because, we, as we know, there are no Asian actors
2: in Hollywood. Yeah, so, well, that's the problem. So they've they've got Andy Serkis to do it.
0: <laughs> I like that we're now casting a movie that it's just being made so that someone can get called out for it. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't we just get Scarlett Johansson to do it?
2: Yeah. Oh, too soon.
0: <laughs> All right. I went a little bit different here. I made her Lieutenant Paula Wang. Mm-hmm. Did a little gender swap. Yeah, nice. So I could cast Aquafina rapper. An actress from uh, *Crazy Rich Asians* and *Ocean's Aid. I don't know who that is. She's great. Yeah, is she. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that who you want? Yeah, that's who I want. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm just forcing my entire young cast into this movie. Okay. Laura, you should have shown ha- up and defended yourself.
2: Yeah. All
0: right, Lieutenant <laughs> Vanessa Dampus.
2: Dampus. I have my pick, and then uh, Laura's pick. My pick. Uh, oh, ooh. let me guess who your pick is. You have no idea. You're never gonna guess.
0: Um, it is.
2: Paul Abdul. <laughs> if she's available, we're signing her. Um, no, uh, I picked Tiffany Haddish because she's real popular right now. That's true. Although <laughs> far too old. But <laughs> yeah, she's too old and she would make it a very different movie, a very loud, annoying movie. But L- Laura picked much better pick Tessa Thompson.
0: Oh, Tessa Thompson's good. Yeah. I went a similar direction. I was worried Tessa might be old, actually. Too old for the part. But
2: classic man. You want them? You want them young, huh, Luke? Like you always say. Jesus
0: Christ! <laughs> Can't believe it. I'm getting. I left you alone when you said a female comic was too shrill for you. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, come on. I went with uh, Leticia Wright, who is the uh, sister in Black Panther. Okay. Um, which I don't know if you've seen. No, you've seen part of it, right? So you yes, might remember. I, start, her. I started it. I'll get. I'll
2: finish it later. I
0: think you might. I mean, you might have seen her. Yeah, I don't yeah,
2: know. I remember. Was she one of the ones that had uh, no hair?
0: No, she's she's super young. She's like uh, she's like. I know who The scientist.
2: She has the one scene. She walks and she gives him the finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's her. She's got a lot of spunk. I yeah, like she her. does have spunk.
2: So who do you like for this? Um, I'll let you choose this one. It could go either way. Should I, I, we give one to Laura? I think we got to go Tessa Thompson right. just to Tessa give Thompson. One. Give give one for our team.
0: There you go, Tessa Thompson. It is. All right. Now we're now we're getting into more age appropriate ones yeah. for you. These,
2: these ones I could. These ones I could do. All right, Colonel Tyrus. Cassius McQueen. It's actually Lieutenant Colonel Tazi Cassius, TC McQueen. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I have two picks: Woody Harrelson. Oh, different direction. I, I'm I'm not on, not on board. And and then also kind of going even further in a weird direction. Now it's going to add a little bit of like smarmy kind of charm to it. Bruce Willis. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, I think I like yours better than mine.
0: I I couldn't think of a good one, and I ended up just going with Michael Fassbender. But okay. I, I feel like that's just the obvious choice. I think Woody Harrelson's the pick, isn't I, it? A hundred percent. This is definitely a Woody Harrelson role.
2: Yeah. All right. Who do you like for the final one? Commodore Ross. Okay, got two picks in two different directions. I think one is actually pretty good, which is Lance Reddick. Oh. I thought, and I think, I mean, that's the kind of role he kind of does, this, you know, authoritarian figure. So, yeah, I think it's a kind of role that he seems to play. He does is very sort of straight-laced. He's a very stiff kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that, and then going in a kind of different direction, although I don't know if we should add another white person in, but I thought Liam Neeson's also probably game. He can come and He likes playing like generals and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. He's, he's the real Bruce Willis of these picks. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think? I went a different direction. I thought about who's going to play the guitar all the time. Mm-hmm. And I said Tom Waits
2: whoa oh I'm 100% on board
0: alright because I just imagine him just snoodling on a guitar 98% of the time
2: that's such an odd pick that Tom Waits would be in the movie I think it makes sense though if you pair him with Woody Harrelson yeah well it, the movies take, take it on a very different timbre if you will
0: well it's very funny because our cast is all like <laughs> like arguably 19 to 23 and then Tom and Waits then comes in is rah!
2: over 55 <laughs> yeah
0: it's a huge gap in these ages. Yeah, well,
2: the, kid, the kids will be saying stuff that the older ones don't understand, you know. Classic. Well, you can write all the older characters' roles. You're like, what?
0: <laughs> Who's Logan Paul? <laughs>
2: yeah. He's like, I... Who... That is horrible, though, to be fair.
0: Oh, yeah. He's a grosso.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's a grosso. Yeah, we agree. Director,
0: Who's directing this masterpiece? I put Roland Emmerich. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I went a different direction. I went with uh, Catherine Bigelow. Oh, I feel okay. like she would, like, bring that... She can do a good war movie, I feel like.
2: I yeah, think yeah, yeah. No, she's a good pick. She's a better pick than Roland Emmerich. I just thought, like, let's make this the biggest, stupidest <laughs> disaster movie ever. Roland and, Emmerich. And I, I wanted it to be the classiest disaster movie. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, Catherine Miglowe. Oh, yeah. This movie's coming together. Did you? Do you have a plot for this?
0: I do. I mean, here's the thing. I kind of looked over the plots. I'm like, ah, there's no clear winner. I mean, I think... Chiggy von Richtoven definitely makes an appearance, mm-hmm. but that's about all I came up with.
2: I just wrote a, a quick little synopsis, which oh, is just the you. basic. Thank God. And I'm this, so excited. this is a little treat—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's just the basic plot of the show, which is: after Earth is attacked by a newly discovered alien race, the Chigs, the Space Marines send a ragtag group of new recruits dubbed the Wildcards. Are they the Wildcards? Yeah, you're right. They're not yeah. the Crazy Hearts. Yeah, the Wildcards to fight the seemingly unbeatable enemy, but is the answer to ending the conflict inside them all the time?
0: Oh, inside
2: them the whole time excuse me do oh you, not all the time the yeah whole time. In, inside them the whole time do you know why what the answer is uh one of them's a chick no poop <laughs>
0: <laughs> they they open up trades <laughs> yeah poop based trading that, in, the, in the
2: end there's a poop based trade that's how the conflict is solved
0: well write it up Jordan we're making this movie yep
2: Hollywood give us a call
0: <laughs> Jacob Hollywood
2: <laughs> Jacob Hollywood yeah Jacob Hollywood on the line you know the number <laughs> you got it kid mm <laughs> Anyways, I think that's uh, definitely a movie <laughs> Yeah, that's a movie that could be on a TV screen yeah.
0: so I watch it at home on Netflix and not go to the movie
2: theater Yeah, yeah as, I, as I go, oh, look at that Then I scroll by it and <laughs> look for more magic <laughs> been A real magic kick recently What do you mean? I, I, I want to watch anything that's got like magic People do magic on the street and stuff Oh, just like magic tricks? Yeah, right, magic fine. tricks Yeah, it brings everyone together, I really like it Oh, that's good Yeah Alright, shall we start with episode mm-hmm. 18? Yeah, let's get through these Here's a summary for Pearly
0: the 58th have to make an extraction point rendezvous off a planet, so they use the aid of the eponymous Tank Pearly to take them there. They meet an eccentric British soldier and a pair of AIs on the way. Then Wang has a crisis of conscience. That summary is courtesy of Keith is Me. Oh, I'm so happy Keith is Me is back. He's he's going to stick around for a while. I he loves like. this show. He Th- really has gone out of his way.
2: Yeah, do you think he'd listen to this podcast? I mean, if he does, uh, sorry... Did we keep saying your name? I don't know. I don't care. It's We know it's Ross of Sutherland. As
0: previously established as yeah. canon.
2: Yeah. All right. Let me say one thing, just as we start. My feeling on this episode, Luke, and I don't know if you agree with me, is someone was able to acquire a tank and they quickly <laughs> had to write an episode around it. That's my that's my feeling on this episode. They're like, oh, we, we have an actual tank we can use? Okay, yeah, we can figure something out. And that's what I think this episode is.
0: I don't think you're wrong. I do feel like a movie finished shooting... And they had all this stuff left over. Because we're going to get into this now. But it it the episode starts kind of mid-battle on this sort of planet and the 58th. And McQueen's on the mission this time, which is
2: weird. You know why I think? Because he took that little chip out of his head. Now he can go on missions now.
0: Uh, right. That makes sense. And, and they're retreating from the enemy. Vanson's been injured. And uh, they're, like, going off to this tank they're going to climb into. Did you notice, though, as they're running through this battlefield, on the ground, there's the burnt-out shell of just a normal old helicopter? No, I didn't. That's why I think you might be right about what they came into contact with with this tank, because it was it was like a prop you'd use if you were showing any battlefield, like a right, crashed helicopter's right. merged items. It's like,
2: yeah, they're just flying helicopters there. Well, I mean, because also, I, I think they tried dressing the tank a little bit, but it's just a tank. And you'd assume that tanks look different in the future, because as we go on, the the Chicks have some sort of a similar tank sort of thing that's done in CGI, But it looks all futuristic. But this tank just looks like something from like, you know, 1990. It's true. They have a big flying futuristic tank, the the Chigs. Yeah, they're way better. (laughs) I like their tank way better. I didn't even get to see inside of it with its weird orifice controls. (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, they climb inside of this tank to like, I guess, seek shelter and try to get out of this battle. And we kind of are introduced to the guy who's the driver of the tank. The tank is named Pearly. Yeah. And uh, his name is Louis Fox, L- Sergeant Louis Fox,
2: played mm-hmm. by Adam Goldberg. Who uh, that was fun. He's some good casting. It, did you know? Seem a little bit though, like he was in a different show. These, was, these two episodes, again, we'll start now, have weird, weird tonal issues, and oh, I don't know which one is worse, but they're really swinging for the fences in a bunch of different ways, and I don't know if they're hitting any of them. On all this. And he's like one, like, he's clearly doing a weird character, but I, I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, he's kind of just like a fast-talking uh, military grunt. Yeah. Yeah. He's chomping a cigar the whole time. He seems like
2: he's from like the 1930s or something.
0: He's he's drinking coffee out of an envelope, but like a little a freeze-dried coffee out of an yeah. envelope. He, yeah, he's just like a bit of comic relief, I think. Like he's just like a fast-talking, crazy guy. You know, when you go to war, there's always a guy who kind of goes a little crazy, but he's a lot of fun to hang around with.
2: I didn't think he was that fun to hang around with. <laughs> oh, that's too bad.
0: And he's he's very much in love with Pearlie. Pearlie saved his life once, and now yeah. he, uh, he feels like he owes something to Pearlie. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean... He drops little bon mots the entire time. I don't know if you enjoyed them, but I like the one. Hey,
2: diddle, diddle, cram it up the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an odd character. I mean, I didn't mind the character. It just felt like he was from a different show. And and then we're gonna come into a different another character who again, I don't know if he belongs in this show. The British guy that we're gonna come to pretty soon. Yeah, I
0: mean, there are they introduce some characters maybe to expand the world a little bit. And I
2: think what it is is. Our
0: leads are relatively humorless. Yeah.
2: No. So, no. I. I. I, th- I think that's exactly what it is. Especially in these last few episodes, starting to expand the world a little bit, which I'm. I'm happy with, and add in more characters. But it almost just kind of shows, as you're saying, the the painful lack of humor or kind of individual characteristics that a lot of these characters don't seem to have. Well, it's, they're they're all given such tragic
0: backstories, right? And we're and it's it's just like all of them. Are Christopher Nolan's Batman right? That none of them can have any levity to them, unfortunately. So when they have fun characters join them, it's it's such a contrast, right? That's that's a good way of saying it. But I mean, what are you going to do? It's too late now. They've already <laughs> started the show. Yeah, but yeah, they escape in this tank, and then it, as they're driving away, they get stuck in like a pit someone's dug, like this sort of trap.
2: Yeah. By the way, what a what an easy way to take down a tank, huh?
0: Yeah, just drive it into a pit. Just make a hole. I'm gonna I'm gonna note something because we already mentioned it, but. This British guy's going to come up. We're going to meet him in a second. He's actually dug this hole and he's done it as a as a trap for the chigs. Mm-hmm. That was his intention when he dug this hole. The chig tank hovers.
2: I know. I noticed the same thing.
0: Like, how was this? Because their problem is their tank is just a regular old tank. If it hits a pothole, it falls into the
2: hole. Yeah. I wanted to give him the, the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was a really deep hole and he thought the troops were going to fall into it. But it's clear he, he meant it for a vehicle. Yeah.
0: It was very funny because later, in the I'm like, no, your pit makes no sense. Yeah. Anyway, it's not important. It was just a little thing I'm sure we both noted. But we do meet this uh, British character
2: now, Major McKendrick. He's very British, got a yeah. very posh British accent. He almost seems like a character who's brought onto a sitcom to be like an annoying neighbor who's going to get like a pie thrown in his face later. Like, isn't he annoying? Like, that's sort of what he's hes so over the top British. He, he definitely started off, I was. I found him a little grating
0: when he started. By the end of the episode, he kind of like I think eased off a little. I agree, yeah. But when he comes out, it is it is a lot. He uh, he was a pencil pusher in a supply line on the planet for what he calls I think this is what he said his Majesty's cosmic service. Is that what he said? I I couldn't make out. He said
2: his majesty's something service and I could not make it out. My best guess is cosmic service. I actually thought when they first met him, the episode was going to be a time travel episode because I thought he was from like the 1940s or something. He he does seem like the kind of guy who is like in Africa in World War 2. Right. But there was one thing that maybe I'm just stupid and I didn't notice this. The the uh uh wild cards are specifically the US Marines. Mhm. And so what we've learned is there's the British Army is out there too, right? But we've had very little on this show where we've seen other countries' military organizations coexist or not coexist together, right? Yeah. So that was a little bit—I think this is the first time, isn't it, that we've seen— Yeah, I mean, obviously because they're American, we know— that's a national space force,
0: I guess. So I guess this is just the first time they're like introducing. Yeah, other nations have space forces and they're out here too in the right. same battle, but we don't interact normally, I guess. Right. So as we know, because it's His Majesty's <laughs> cosmic, service, cosmic, cosmic service, service. Yeah. And later he'll he'll say, "God save the king." Oh, does he really? He does. Does this mean uh, Prince William's king? Well, what, what year does this take place? 65? 2065? Yeah, it could be, I guess. I mean, he'd be in
2: his 80s, but that'd be my guess. Well, I really hope Charles is not still waiting. Oh, Charles will be dead by this point. You never know. They've got they've got some uh, genes that they go real old. That's true. Maybe maybe Prince Charles finally made it. He's yeah. he's living large at like 120.
0: <laughs> anyway, getting, getting back to this character. Basically, a chig attack happened on this British troops around this planet like eight months ago. And yeah. everybody but him was killed. So he's been there by himself for eight months. And he's had the opportunity to get off. He's just
2: been choosing to stay there. He's decided, uh, and you're not really sure if he's maybe lost it a little bit or if he's being honest or if he's uh, actually working with the Chigs. But his thing is that he's learning about them. He's already doing uh, a bit of uh, reconnaissance here on them. And uh, like, and and, you, and he drops a bit of information of things he's, he's learned about them.
0: Yeah, like for one thing, he's been listening to the radio channels and he kind of has learned not the chig language but kind of some elements of it cuz he's able to protect he hears something come over the radio and he knows they're coming
2: to shoot at the tank yeah because they speak in clicks he's well he said it's sort of like dolphins i think the idea is that they sort of speak to each other almost in a sonar type right. type sounds so he's been like piecing together tactics and his whole plan is he'll
0: return to the army his own army and like the world army, I guess. Once he sort of piece snuff this together, he can be a helpful, useful intelligence agent, basically.
2: He also mentioned at one point, he said that the Chigs have no concept of life after death. Well, which was which is a thing and I remember thinking like, but how did he how did he figure that out? Well that's what happens here is when
0: he gets the message over the radio that the Chigs are coming in to attack the tank. For whatever reason, Sergeant Fox, who's been in he like we're not even a second commercial break. He runs out to defend the tank question mark mm-hmm. and is immediately killed. Yeah, I guess so we don't have two crazy characters in the same episode. yeah,
2: it, it is funny. They introduce him, and he's like a very big uh, character takes over every scene. and then almost immediately within two, three minutes, they just he just get killed really easily. Now, he
0: doesn't survive the second commercial break. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so they have to have a funeral for him. And McQueen and McKendrick dig him a grave. And yeah, like you said, he starts telling them about how before the Chigs met the humans, they had no concept of an afterlife. They learned it from humans, mm-hmm. which is why they dig up their graves. But again, I, my point was, how would you even know that? Well, I guess Chucklebot implied they've been watching us for a long time. So maybe right. maybe they just have like seen something and it's freaking them out because they can't figure mm-hmm. out what it means. But he even says like they dig up the corpses and mutilate them because is a theory that the Chigs think that half of humans are the living dead. <laughs> was that what it was? Yeah. Hmm. It's really weird. I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. I think this is probably something they're leading to because they've right. constantly showed their problem with graves and their problem with corpses. Mm. I just don't... I can't quite figure out what that reveal is going to be
2: because
0: mm-hmm. it's been teased for so long, but this is more information that it's just even more confounding so i'm very curious as to what this final reveal about what the chicks think of us is going to be
2: i have a feeling we're never going to get to it oh i'll be really sad yeah i also don't think we're going to get at this point we're getting so uh late in the game i don't know if we're ever going to get back to old uh uh susie yeah sophie is it sophie i don't think it is sophie sophie is from the other show oh you're right i don't remember jessica no her name
0: (laughs) lucy what is West's girlfriend's name?
2: Yeah, it's been so long anyways. She's been gone for so long. We, like West, have forgotten her name. And I'll tell you this. She's not going to like that new haircut he has. You don't think so? No. Do you like it? Yeah, it's fine. Ugh. I have no strong feelings. Looks like he's recovering from a major illness. <laughs> oh. Doesn't it? It's so sad. Um, so after they dig this grave, they have a little funeral scene for Fox. It's almost a funeral for the, uh, what do you call it? The tank as much as for the guy. Because they give a eulogy to the tank. Are you then talking
0: he- about an in vitro?
2: Huh? A tank? Oh, no, no. The tank. The actual tank. Oh, an in vitro. I get it. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. There was just a look of pure terror and, and confusion in my eyes there. <laughs> um, they're giving this eulogy... And
0: West says he found a letter that Fox wrote to Pearlie. Like, that's right. his character. He loves his tank. So he wrote this letter to his tank, thanking him, him being the tank, I guess. I Pearly. assume, assume Pearlie was a girl. Uh, it's probably a girl. Thanking Pearlie for their service, basically. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I bring this up is because as he's reading this letter, the camera starts pulling back from the funeral and pulls back to, like, the tank's headlight. Did you catch this? No. So it's a long pullback with the camera and it pulls so far back in the funeral that the tank's headlight comes into frame
2: and there's oil running down the headlight like an oh. eye crying. I did not see that. The tank is crying at the funeral. I'm going to actually go back and watch that. It, I, I did not see that.
0: It is amazing. I'm like, what a choice you guys have made here.
2: <laughs> the tank was crying. So it's, it's Herbie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, the it's been damaged. So we're supposed to like, it's, yeah, the I, the I metaphor get it. is there. It's Here's so the thing, funny. though.
2: The tonal shifts in this show are so awkward and weird that I wouldn't be surprised if they suddenly had the tank be Herbie and it like wanted to go on adventures. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I guess it makes sense for this show. Except they'd couple it with like a plot line of someone dying of cancer.
0: All right, I want you to file the idea that this tank is Herbie in the back of your head, that Pearly is Herbie in the back of your head. Because mm-hmm. we're coming back to that later. Okay.
2: Um, so, so we're we're getting now into like the other plot of the episode, right?
0: Yeah, uh, basically we move on with the episode now, and everything that came before this seems to get like tossed out. They're like, whoever
2: that character was, move on. I know that that's what's weird about this, and it, it happens in the even almost to a more dramatic degree in the next episode we're going to talk about. But it's almost like they had all their plot ideas up on a wall, and they just randomly grabbed them and said just jam them together and make some sort of gumbo episode because. You're right. After like the first or second commercial break, it's like, it's a new episode. Now there's a different thing to do. And then after that, it's like, oh, after that commercial break, the show's actually about this. It's it's very weird.
0: Yeah. The tank is now driving off this rendezvous point. McQueen sends a couple people out to do some reconnaissance for the tank. And while Wang is
2: walking around, he bumps into two silicates who are just also wandering around the forest. I was very excited the last time Chucklebot showed up, but this time it feels like too soon. It's felt too soon to have Chucklebot back again.
0: It does feel like they're really like, oh, this character is good. Let's just find a way to squeeze him into every Well, what, what it
2: probably was was Ever realized how effectively creepy Doug Hutchinson is in the role. And they're like, let's bring him back. It's like, but he just was there like two episodes ago. But it's a new Chucklebot because the Chucklebot who tortured him is dead now. But this one somehow also has had head injuries and has skin is ripped away. <laughs> well, I
0: do like that they all have
2: like different facial injuries. Yeah. The so Chuckle- these uh, robots are constantly also always bumping their faces. He's wandering around with that other silica we've seen many Mm -hmm. times before, Felicia O.
0: And there's a weird thing here where they, Chucklebot talks about how he has emotional feelings for her, like they're in love or something, but he doesn't, he wasn't programmed for that. So he doesn't know what it means. Like they Mm -hmm. imply that like
2: they're developing something, but it doesn't really come up again. It's just a weird, you're right. It was a bit of a throwaway line. He sort of goes like, yeah, it's essentially like, I think I'm in love with her, but I don't have the capabilities to process these feelings so i i feel weird yeah it's like i feel weird about it. <laughs> yeah um but she's running out of power and when wang bumps into
0: them chucklebot uh you know gets a drop on him and wang starts freaking out because he's like oh you're chucklebot i'm afraid of you and he's and he ch- he accesses their group memory and is like oh you're that guy who gave that false confession yeah and so he blackmails wang he says i'll delete the false confession you did if you bring us back
2: a power cell, so I can charge Felicio. Okay, my first thing is, they have to have batteries to recharge them. Like, what a terrible design of these these robots! It it is odd. Like they're, they even to, even the even the Westworld ones didn't have a robot the batteries that they had to plug, plug into, into a wall every now and then. It's like an iPhone. Yeah, but yeah. So the whole thing though is that we're going back. We're going down this this old well of uh, him and his stupid confession.
0: Back on the old prison planet. Yeah. So yeah, they basically they make this deal. Wayne goes back to Pearly, steals the last power cell that Pearly has, so they don't have
2: enough power now to make it back. And um, as soon as he steals it, it runs out of power. Yeah. And- Let me. Do, did you buy this though as his character? Like obviously they really push that uh, he feels really bad and really embarrassed about this confession. Blah blah blah. But do you buy that he would have? Betrayed them. Betrayed them. And not only that, but like not even saying anything for the lo- Like when it runs, Amelia runs out of power, they blame McKendrick because they think he's crazy. Yeah, like what they've implied is that they may all die on the planet because they can't get out, but he's, he's more worried about his confession than the deaths of all his crew. Did you find that maybe a, a bit of a stretch? It, I mean, you're not wrong. It was definitely a stretch. I think later in the episode, they
0: made a real strong attempt to explain it. I think they almost got there, but it, it's just tough because there's not. It's not laid out clear enough. We can't understand his motivations well enough yeah. compared to what we've seen of him before. So it is definitely a rough go of like this motivation. Yeah. I, I agree. It just it doesn't quite line up to what we know about the character. Right. But yeah, I mean, they blame McKendrick for losing the battery because they think he wants to stay on the planet. They make Wang tie
2: him up. Just... And they also give no due process. They're like, we think it's the British guy because we don't know. And, and McQueen's like, I know my people. They would never do it. So it's this guy. And they immediately... Like, tie him up. Why do they have to tie him up? The battery's already gone. What Is they worry that he's going to continue to steal stuff? I, I don't it's know. It just was like, that seems like over the top. If I was that guy, I'd be so pissed off. I mean, they imply that they worry he's working with the chicks or something. I don't know. It, it was, well,
0: I mean, this is kind of where his character gets better. Because he is pissed off. Yeah. He's very annoyed by this whole thing. And his character kind of starts getting better where he's just like, you feel like, oh, yeah, this is a character who's been slighted by this group of people who, like, why are they tying him up? They have no reason to suspect mm. him. Without this battery, though, they're forced to charge the pearly with uh with solar panels. Yeah, and I was just like, you know how solar panels work, right, guys? You could just like plug it in and
2: drive around with them on. You could have been solving this problem. What, but what I like him. is there's at least three scenes of um, McQueen, and he just keeps cleaning the panels. Did you know, they just keep like like he, his his whole thing was like they got to be real clean. He's kept cleaning them over and over. I just thought that was a funny little. That is like, very funny.
0: I yeah, it was it was a weird obstacle because i'm like if you guys have had solar power recharging this whole time why even so wor- like i get that you don't have much power but you could have been preemptively charging well, there's, there's
2: a whole other couple other things they say at one point uh, and correct me if i'm wrong luke but they need the tank because they need to get to where they're going right you mean and- hawks <sighs> yes that's exactly what i mean <laughs> that's, that's not going to get irritating <laughs> so they need the space utility vehicle that runs the pearly to uh <laughs> to to get where they're gonna go and they're like well we can't get there by foot that's basically what they said but the tank doesn't go that fast no we're like, we're like, like there's no way the tank's getting there, there any better all they need to do is have drop a line of but the temperature gets so cold or it's so whatever that will but they don't say anything that they're just like oh we need the, t- the tank has to be the one to get us over there but it's like no it doesn't
0: yeah i mean it's a point that comes up more and more and more in the show. I don't want to belabor it, but the stakes don't quite make sense as stakes, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, you know, this
2: is what's holding them up basically. Right. Um, uh, they, they need, they can't get to where they go because they have to take the slowest vehicle possible to get there. That's the only way they could go. It's the, only way. You know. It's
0: the only way there. So while they're charging the battery now with the solar panel, Wang's has his stolen power cell so he can go back to Chucklebot with it. And he, uh,
2: Tells everyone very loudly that he is going to Congress. Is that what he said? Yeah. But <laughs> By the way, that's funny and and all this stuff happened. But we'll get to it. His excuse, he could not have thought of a worse excuse at how he found the battery. But we'll get to that. Yeah. I I I'd never heard slang for going to the bathroom as Congress before. I, I like that. That's some do fun you, little Are you going to uh, use it from now on? Yeah.
0: I'm going to always go to Congress. Hmm. I, it's very, very elegant. It's because I don't know what it means. And I just imagine like uh, some sort of government session. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. But before he goes, just because he wants, I guess, to make it look authentic, he's going to the bathroom, it's, he makes everything so complicated for so stuff. He's like, "Hey, West, can you lend me that magazine to read while I go to the bathroom, which I'm really not going to?" And West like grabs the wrong backpack to grab the magazine. He grabs Wang's backpack with the power cell in it. Wang gets all defensive and like grabs the backpack away, making West immediately suspicious. yeah. And as soon as Wang kind of walks off, Wes is like, I am also going to go to Congress. Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. And he can't be more than like five steps behind Wang, but they kind of like walk off together. Right. It's it's a poorly timed thing because then Wang goes into the forest. He finds Chucklebot. He gives him the power cell. Chucklebot starts powering up Felicia Oh. Wang uses that moment to try to like attack Chucklebot or something. It's like a really weird. I don't know what was happening really. And. West shows up and when he starts calling for Wang, Chucklebot and Felicia O run away because they've like powered her up enough, I guess. Yeah. And when West walks out of the clearing, Wang is just sitting there kind of bleeding from the fight with the power cell. And what does he say?
2: Like walked into a tree or something like that? Yeah.
0: Wang's like, oh, I, I bumped into a tree and then I found the power cell on the ground here in the forest. He's like, he's never lied before in his life. It's the worst lie ever. It is insane. Like the lie is insane. But... Wes doesn't call him on it. He does find like a little silicate piece on the ground. So he's like, oh, I know something. Yeah, there's like
2: something fall- fell off. But at no time in the fight, did you see him like pull any wires off or anything? But he's like, he just lost it of his butt or something. <laughs> just fell out. Yeah, it's
0: fine. Wang walks back. He pretends to be the hero who found the power cell.
2: Yeah, he's like, hey, guys, uh, n- no reason how I found it. But look, the-, the I got the battery. I
0: got the battery back. Great news. They plug it in. And it is empty already. That's right. the fastest charging robot. It like 30 seconds max. Well,
2: she's on that good operating, that new operating yeah, system. Yeah,
0: Very quick charge robot. Yeah. And then Wes immediately calls him out and says, this is all bullshit Wang yeah. and forces Wang to basically confess to the whole thing. Wang apologizes to everybody. He gives, he gives a really weird analogy for why he did it. He like starts talking about a car accident. Mm-hmm. And then he starts talking about condoms and guns. It's like, I guess the idea of what he's trying to
2: say is like he—it's something he wished he could take back. They go to great lengths to try to justify his actions, and like you said before, it doesn't quite—it yeah. doesn't quite work. He feels really bad he gave that false confession. It's just something he's always wanted
0: to take back, so he couldn't stop himself from taking this opportunity. It doesn't—yeah, it doesn't quite add up. But that's—that's that's essentially his reasoning here. And anyway, McQueen and McKendrick both forgive him very
2: easily. They're mm. like, No, oh, it's okay. We all yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. And we're stuck, we're stuck here now in this desert. Thanks for killing us. I
0: mean, they're really not, though, because the solar panel charges pearly and they're fine again. Like, yes. they just start going. So it really wasn't a huge obstacle. Wang just had to have this, like, moral problem, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now the tank's running again. This is when they bump into this very kind of cool hovering chig tank that they get in this like fight with. It's kind of a classic military tank fight where you're trying to hit the tank and like everyone's manning the guns. And it's, you know, not a bad little fight. And what's his face is on the top? Uh, What's the person's He's on the top just like going nuts shooting the gun. Yeah, he's got the machine guns up top going crazy. This is where I want to bring up Herbie again. Because when they're locking the tank's firing mechanism onto the enemy tank. Mm -hmm. Wes, like, pushes the fire button and the tank speaks. Does it? It speaks in a robot voice because it's, like, locked on target. Oh. And they push the button. And no, no, they push the button. And then just before the tank fires, the the robot or the uh, pearly little robot voice
2: says, this bear is on you, Chiggy boy. That's right. That's right. It does. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, and it I says, and it says tank- Chiggy boy. And, uh, you know what I like to, because last time it was bend over Chiggy man, but even more uh, insulting is to call it Chiggy Boy. This machine is Herbie. It's alive. Yeah. Well, it has some sort of... Um, Wacky humor box. Yeah. Setting. Well, you know what? Th- this show could probably use a little bit of humor from this uh this do, you actually,
0: do you think, because obviously Fox died long ago in this episode, we've all, we already forgot about that character, but he was a fast-talking guy who had lots of little one-liners and quips. Do you think his ghost
2: is in Pearly? Is that why it's saying this little uh, this little this little line well it would be great at the very end it did like a little shot like that like it said something that only he knew and then like and then and then you get a reaction shot at West like wait a minute and then the credits go up oh I mean yeah. that maybe that's why he was crying because the ghost was like emotionally inside of the tank now exactly
0: oh I think that's what's actually happening in this episode yeah,
2: now but it makes it a better episode ghost tank ghost pearly that could be the plot for our movie starring Joey Spruce and uh ty benson i don't know jordan you're so hip (laughs) yeah
0: yeah (laughs) um anyway they have this tank fight wang has to jump out to you know redeem himself so he get he jumps out of the tank with like a shoulder mounted rocket launcher or something hits the tank's weak spot which is his underbelly yeah he's got the real like end of jaws moment yeah so he say he saves the day by destroying the tank as
2: he's standing out in the battlefield suddenly Chucklebot reappears. It's just such a mess of an episode. Yeah, so he comes back and he's like, guess what? The battery didn't work, jerk. Yeah, she, I'm like, her problem must have been much worse than a battery charge because yeah. you used that entire battery
0: cell up and then she still fell over and died. Because he's, yeah. he's basically mad his girlfriend died. He blames West for, or sorry, he blames Wang for it. Mm-hmm. And he holds a gun to Wang's head, but then the tank comes back around and McKendrick on the machine gun just like annihilates Chucklebot and that's, that's it that's it they've uh they've saved the day they've made it back to the rendezvous and they're all going to take off but uh mckendrick says he's going to stay on the planet and uh continue his his quest to figure out uh how to learn the chig language yeah
2: and even uh hawk says something and he's he's like he'll be uh when we come back in a year's time he's gonna be like our most important weapon it was like something like that yeah
0: right? yeah because he's gonna do that oh and you know what i forgot one small plot details because we wouldn't want to not tie up these plots as cleanly as the show does mm-hmm. after they destroy a chucklebot vanson walks up to his body oh right yeah yeah and she pulls out the optical hard drive which that's is like a little disc in his head and she's like stomps on it. she's like there you go i destroyed your false confession
2: i know i wrote i was like i don't think that's how that works they clearly have shared memories yeah that's like that's it's uh, in the uh, cloud vanson you can't just pull it, out exactly it, it, and Wang thinks good i'm glad that's done now
0: it is very it was like i'm like this logic makes no sense Anyway, that sort of wraps up the episode. It's, it's such a weird little episode. I didn't hate it, but it was it did feel like they would follow a plot, then drop it, then pick up a plot and drop it, and then kind of just like yeah. strung a bunch of ideas that didn't really flow together into one episode.
2: The, these later episodes, they're doing a better job at giving... They have a pretty large cast in giving the cast things to say and do, but it's like they haven't figured out how they all should connect, though. So it's like, yes, we'll give Danfu something to do. We'll give Wang something to do. But the two plots don't mesh at all. So you get these weird schizophrenic kind of episodes. Yeah, that's a great way of describing it. That's how they feel. All right, well, let's move on to the next episode. And this one, oh my gosh, I don't even know what this episode is. Yeah, this one's crazy.
1: There's no virtual reality here. No phony holodecks. Life on the Bacchus is a hands-on experience. Your Earth Forces debit cards will be accepted at all events. However, you will find that cash is preferred at certain venues. From this moment on, there is no pain, no heartbreak. Leave the war behind. Yeah. Check your uniforms at the door and follow me. <laughs> Before you enter, check out our fine dress and apparel stores. Our shop techs are here to serve you. The Bacchus knows your core to the core, but you leave it all behind when you pass through that door.
0: Uh, Here's a summary for episode 19, R&R. The exhausted 58th are given 48 hours leave on the pleasure ship Bacchus. Hawks takes a trip he really shouldn't have. Damfus and Wang get close. Vanson shows a hidden talent. And McQueen and West take in a movie.
2: And of course, the summary is courtesy of... It's gotta be uh, Keith is me. You know it. it's Keith yeah. is me. This episode is the most insane, weird episode they've done in some really hilariously great ways and in mostly in hilariously bad ways. But I was and I think both of us we we mentioned this way way back when when we started the show Bacchus the pleasure I've been looking forward ship, to this. I was so looking forward to it and I'd forgotten and when when the when the episode started I was like Bacchus Bacchus. And man was I disappointed in Bacchus. Oh,
0: they they really
2: whiffed what should have been an easy one. Yeah, and he, again, guys, I know I'm now saying this 20 years after the fact, but all the show had to be this episode was them sort of out of sorts on this hilarious weird pleasure ship and there's so many fun weird episodes you could do and they just didn't want to commit to anything so you got a bunch of weird disjointed stories that don't match and they blew the chance of a great new weird setting and they just they don't use it at all
0: no i mean a lot of opportunity definitely down the drain this episode i mean as it starts we just basically get the idea that the wild cards have been in battle a long time. They're very exhausted. We actually see them flying around and they get
2: West falls asleep while flying. Yeah. West falls asleep, almost hits somebody. Is Hawks, so they're in a battle. Uh Hawks He's actually in... gets gets shot by one of the uh one of the chicks. He's like hallucinating things on his wing. Yeah. And yeah, like it
0: they basically just get in a bad battle where they barely get out, and West could have stopped something from happening to Hawks. Yeah, they, they don't
2: They don't really, it doesn't quite work, but they They basically, West feels guilty because he feels like he wasn't pulling his weight in the battle and because of that, uh, Hawks, Hawks got injured. Head. Yeah, he banged his head on something. And look, actually, it was I I mean, they did another of those like insufferable spinning scenes. Huh? It just went on and on. I was like, okay, I get off the spinning. But uh, but yeah, he's like smashed his face and he's clearly got some sort of concussion and actually probably more than a concussion Um, because I think that's all that happens there, right? Yeah. And they go back to the ship and then, he you goes see, to the medical bay. Which you you get the medical. I like that. I love every time they show bits of how big this ship is and the different parts. There's clearly an entire hospital and there's all these things. And I wish you saw more of this on the show. And they seem to not take advantage of the opportunity to have interesting one-off characters come in and out. Um, like a nurse or a doctor or whatever. Um, but anyways, yeah. So Hawks is in the hospital and immediately you find out that the doctors have given him... What is it? Green Greenies? Green pills or green meanies. Green meanies. And then, and uh, what's his face? Uh, McQueen. McQueen gets really upset. He's like, don't you know how addictive uh, these are to, to tanks? Because for some reason, even though they're humans, they're just really addicted to drugs, I guess. You mean pearly? Oh, man, it's still <laughs> going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yes. No, you're 100% correct. There's like, basically, you shouldn't give these pain pills in recovery to tanks because they are gonna get very addicted to them. In vitros have a
2: natural addiction to them. And these- this is we should we should number these. So this is oh sorry, this is plot line one is they're really tired and they need a rest. Plot line two now is West wh- or not West. West. Hawks is uh getting gonna get addicted to drugs. Is Getting addicted to drugs. This Although, is their just say no episode.
0: You, you gotta say the writers of the show predicted the opiate epidemic, doctors pre- overprescribing over prescribing pain <laughs> medication. <laughs> I'm not giving that to them at all. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, McQueen is very upset. He's been addicted to these before, so
2: yeah. Didn't he say like oh, the first? He's like the first time during my divorce, the second time during my mortgage crisis. I don't know what, it was, but he had some sort of the reason. Yeah, he's
0: had a few times. He's he's struggled with the same addiction. It really does jump out of nowhere, and yeah, it's kind of the problem. Is they just introduce a whole drug addict episode
2: that doesn't yeah. really but, but fit? They, but they don't even give it a whole episode. No. That's what I mean. Like it, it was
0: fifteen minutes of an episode.
2: Yeah, it would be it would be one thing if it was like the whole episode is him trying to get off drugs, or the whole episode was just about them on the Pleasure Planet, or the whole episode was a love story, but it's all of them, and it ensures that none of them get the time that they need yeah. to make it work. So at this point, the episode's set up.
0: Commodore Ross says, hey, you guys are pretty tired. I'm going to give you shore leave. You guys are going to go to the Aerotech Pleasure Ship Bacchus. I love the name Bacchus, the Pleasure Ship. So I think it, that's great sounding. I find it weird that Aerotech runs it because... It was Aerotech, huh? Because as we'll come to learn, like, it seems like it's kind of... A Tia one or something like. I, how do they describe it? They said it was like Las Vegas, New York, and Oz all in one.
2: Because mm-hmm. which like, you got by the way, you're selling
0: a little bit high because what we see is not that. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like there are legal pleasures and illegal pleasures. Just makes it doesn't none of it really aligns. Yeah, what
2: wh- what they sort of set it up to be. It's weird that it's owned by Aerotech because they set it up like it's this the place where laws don't apply. Yeah. So anything anything happens. They even when they first arrive, and we'll get to that. Obviously, they kind of have this speech about once you walk in these doors, you're someone else. Everything else doesn't matter. And it's, it's a very, obviously we mentioned Star Trek a lot, but it's, it's Riza, yeah. you know, so, but Riza was more fun.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, and kind of weird too, because they're like, you can use your credits here, but some things are cash only. And I'm like, what? That's <laughs> weird. But yeah, so they go on their little flight off to it. And the exterior of the ship looks great. It's like, yeah, if I, Deep I Space
2: 9 were a casino. Yeah, it was great. And they have like weird lights and stuff. It, it's, I'm telling you, if there was ever a disappointment to a tease, this is it. Because <sighs> and, and, and not only this, the tease continues because who welcomes them?
0: Oh, yeah. this. I was so excited. This voice comes over the ship as it's arriving, giving this big speech about what it's going to be like when you get here. And I'm like, oh, this voice sounds familiar to me for some reason. And the doors to the uh, what do you, what do you, the ship open as they get to the airlock and standing there waiting to greet them at Bacchus is Coolio. Coolio himself is standing there. And I'm like, holy and he's just, shit. And he's just playing Coolio. Oh, I was blown away. I'm like, this show really went all out in this episode. I was like, so excited to get on this ship. Yeah. And, and teaser, it's not done yet. No,
2: there, this is a 90s time capsule of, uh, yeah. of cameos. Yeah. So Coolio gives them this big speech about how the rules don't apply, and at Bacchus, everything's great, which is like a weird thing because the whole time he's giving the speech, they're just in like the airlock or like the front elevator, and they're all, all the whole group of the the wild cards are just standing there, like, oh, can can we come in yet? Can we walk up? And yet? he's still going like, and yeah, there's gambling and there's women, and then he's doing the whole thing, and it's. I liked in his speech, he he threw a couple slights at other science fiction
0: shows. Did he? Because he's like, you won't find any VR or holodecks on Bacchus.
2: <laughs> oh, that's right. I wrote that because. I didn't think it was so much a slam. I thought if there's like holodecks and stuff, I wish I could have seen them in this show. We could, the show badly needs
0: something like that. I felt like it was kind of a slam on Star Trek, like a little copyright infringement being like, there's no fake stuff here. It's all real. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought the other slam was uh, about VR was just about
2: Jake Cardigan and his love of VR prostitutes. <laughs> I assume they were referencing that specifically. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's weird is that this show aired in what, 96? Yeah, same time. And what's it called it was off the air in 95. So they could have been slamming tech war. Although I don't think, I guarantee the writers of the show had never even heard of tech war.
0: They're writing Bacchus. And they're like went back and watched the episode where Jake Cardigan
2: yeah. went to that VR. And he put that house. hat on? He just put, put, that, put a hat on. He's like, like no, I'm gonna, Yeah. And they're like, we're gonna we're gonna reference this. I'm looking for something a little bit weirder. What did he say? Was something like that? <laughs> oh yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> anyway,
0: um, but yeah, that kind of gets them on to this ship. Sadly, we never see Coolio again. I was very sad. So we
2: walk into a bar, which is clearly just a redress of the bar on the ship.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a theme of this whole thing. It's like it's kind of a, a bit of a rowdy bar. Uh, Damfus and Wang immediately just pair off with two randos and go off to dance. And but what we see is all the shots of the ship. That we got this cool exterior, but everything is always shot very tight. None of the set dressing looks very good. Like, it, yeah, it looks just looks like a bar. Everything on the ship looks boring. It doesn't yeah. look very exciting or very much like you're on what a pleasure ship would be. No,
2: it should. What it should have been was almost an overstimulation like there's lights going on there's people everywhere they're like hanging off you don't know I even mean? it should have been like just almost an anarchy inside like even if that was just the room because they do this kind of big reveal and you go oh it's gonna be like insane and maybe then you'll walk off to different hallways that have different things but you walk and you're like oh it's kind of like a bar it looks like roadhouse or something yeah and it's like oh that's that's it it's got like a budweiser sign on the wall well, like, oh, i mean wow.
0: everything we see is It's almost like they're like, let's just go for what something would realistically look like if you were at a bar on Earth. But it's not exciting
2: to look at. I think you're right. I think that's what it is. The show always wants to be realistically grounded in the future. And it kind of hurts them on this. Because you're right. You see this outside ship and you're like, oh, man, this is going to be great looking. It's going to be weird. It's like, But they make no effort to make this weird and spacey. Yeah, the bar looks like
0: Roadhouse. She goes to a pool hall. It just looks like a pool hall from a 90s sitcom. Like nothing (laughs) looks exciting. Um, I can't wait to talk about the Fool Hall. Anyway, I'll I'll just run down kind of everyone's story because they're all so disconnected. But when Wang and Danfuss hook up with these two strangers and go dancing, they kind of have this moment where they see each other on the dance floor and they like have a kind of a love connection. And it's very funny because Danfuss is just like, I never noticed how good you look uh, until I saw you
2: in these clothes. Mm-hmm. And he's basically dressed like Guy Fieri. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but we should say, so th- th- this, this is their plot line. So what is this, plot line three? Is there might be a connection between Danfus and, and Wang. Wang. They have it at like like a basketball court. But it looks just like like a like a, a gym, like yeah, just they a leave, gym. So like it's like this wild and crazy place, and then they go to like this just quiet, darkly lit basketball where he's just shooting basketball by himself. I was like what a pleasure ship. I know. And, and, and yeah. so, anyways, they have this this conversation that maybe they're maybe there's something between them. Maybe
0: they're gonna hook up because they're like, oh, I never noticed how good you looked, and I'm like tired of being out in space. And we'll get to it. But just before they go to make out, a big alarm goes off and yeah. it kind of interrupts them. Yeah. For Vanson, which we'll call, I guess, plotline four. Mm-hmm. Vanson borrows a bunch of cash from west because i don't know it doesn't mean she's just out of cash yeah she
2: well she she gives this wick line like i had to give money this and this and she's like can i borrow money and west like clearly west is that like loser friend who they let hang around because they can just like take money from him (laughs) oh he's handing out money left and right in this episode yeah he's buying friendships so she he hands her a stack
0: of cash and she goes off to this shady pool hall filled with the usual characters from a pool hall like
2: old guys in sunglasses who look like they're in a blues brothers movie yeah everyone looks it's so weird it's really really odd yeah they all have sunglasses on and they all are just like old jazz musicians or something it's a classic like 90s sitcom pool hall yeah i was waiting i went waiting for uncle phil to come on by and save the day and Is she's remember that episode of few fresh Prince. i do that's <laughs> the one i'm thinking of.
0: <laughs> yeah. um she's just there because she wants to basically bet on pool she's a pool shark she loves to go play pool oh and
2: she gives the <sighs> dumbest line of dialogue now i wish i'd written it down the dumbest line of dialogue i have ever heard in any of the shows we've watched it's just like she goes on and everything's like she's like she's scatting and bebopping all over the There's, place.
0: It's real pool hall slang this entire time she's in the pool. Like they're all like I think she gets up there and she's just like
2: talking about how she's going to like
0: shoot straight and get the balls. In the hole she's, like, she's like,
2: like don't give me no cheese because I got slapped on the thing. She's like, shut up. It's yeah. And it goes on and, and on. on and and like on. she ends it by saying she's like, so who's got the plums to play me? Like It, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's it is like
0: beat poetry. You're right. <laughs> And this is where our second cameo comes in because who should walk up to
2: challenge her to a game of pool? (laughs) David Duchovny shows up, which is clearly like a favor. And (laughs) I was watching with Laura and Laura said, she's like, is he just wearing his normal clothing? Like what David Duchovny was wearing in the 90s? He's wearing like a long like red suit jacket, like a double-breasted suit jacket. And he's wearing sunglasses that that do not fit his face for one. Like they're clearly meant for someone with a head three times smaller. And He's doing. Uh, I don't know what the character he's doing. I'll tell you. Oh, I know. He's do, trying to do. He's doing Clint Eastwood. No, apparently. no.
0: Here is what it is. Is he is Alvin El One Five Four Three, and he's a pool. He's a pool playing one. He's, too. he's a
2: billiard and impersonation bot. I know why those two things would have to be together. I don't know. It's like they had two things left. They're like, what is this one? I don't know. What do we have left? Impersonations and pool. Sure. It's very
0: funny though because when he says he's this kind of thing, he she's like an impersonation bot, and he's just like, yeah, make my day, and like not an impression well he's 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 doing this he
2: talks like this the whole time in the episode he, he doesn't sound any like when he, he does sounds nothing like clinty's without but he's like i'm doing a Eastwood impression right now I'm like no no you're not no but anyways he he's so painful in this episode it's it makes you think like how was he such a big star at that time well that's what it was he was such a big star in the x-files yeah. like we'll throw him on and it's like and he's terrible in he's well, terribleness it's i mean it's not a great scene for him he has to he has to play
0: this like fake low-life scum in this pool hall and at first Vanson's winning against
2: him making a lot of money and then when he reveals he's a silicate yeah, he takes off his glasses and you're he, like oh I, I I now I know why he's wearing sunglasses didn't see that coming <laughs> it's like you know I mean I didn't see it coming, you didn't see anyway. it coming no oh I saw him with sunglasses I was like
0: oh let me guess well he, you it's because you knew this, I think. Did I? Yeah, I think you found a photo.
2: I remembered. Oh, you know afterward. what? You're right. You're right. I did know.
0: I remembered afterward when he took this thing. I was like, "Oh yeah, right." Jordan told me he. Thought, You're right. You're he thought right. he'd seen a picture of David Duchovny. I take it. This. I
2: take it back. This is a great star storyline.
0: But it's not a great storyline. <laughs> I, I don't know.
2: Anyway, he reveals this thing, and Vanson now is like off her game because she's so freaked up by silicates. Now this wouldn't have made a great episode, but it could have been a whole episode of just her playing pool for some reason just as like a fun little bottle episode well and they imply there's something more going on because he
0: david coveney even says he's like not all silicates are the same like he even starting to apply like hey stop painting everyone in this world with the same brush like i'm not a bad guy it never comes up again but he kind of drops that hint and in the course of her storyline she just plays some games in this pool hall starts losing to david coveney when she's out of money these like old weirdos who have been leering at her the whole time mm. like
2: spot her for a game. And and they keep cutting back to the same shot of the guys. It's just like you never see them in a in a wider angle. It's just them in that same like tight shot every time they come back to them.
0: Yeah, two old guys at the bar and they're just betting on other pool games. And anytime yeah. they cut to them, they like lower their sunglasses over their nose. They're like, whoa. Yeah. Anyway, like a
2: reaction shot from a 1980s movie, like like a, like a really beautiful woman walks by and they all put their sunglasses down the end of their nose, like whoa. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, this whole plot kind of wraps up because she plays this final game with him where
0: she's lost all her money and they're going to they're going to spot her for the next game. I don't know if you noticed this but cuz it wraps up so quickly you don't really get a sense of how the game goes, but when it wraps up it looks like she's about to lose and then that alarm that interrupted Wang and Damfus goes off and David Duchovny whiffs his shot. So the only reason she wins is cuz that alarm went off mm. and she walks out like she's hot shit
2: yeah it, it was but weird. doesn't he doesn't he give her a big speech though like don't ever come back to my place sort of thing and... oh yeah everyone was speechifying very yeah. pool hall style in there
0: don't ever let the thing, don't ever come back to my pool hall in the pleasure ship i, I mean i think you can come back yeah i know it was that's weird I, I i was wondering if the idea was all of these individual rooms they're like Westworld, like
2: that would have been great if they had established that. That'd be they cool. Don't.
0: I know they don't, but like, I think that's the, maybe the idea is like,
2: this is like an old, uh, an old timey, scummy pool hall. Is, you come here to pretend you're doing that. That'd, that'd be great. But then in the basketball one, they should have a silicate who does basketball stuff or they should have whatever they did. It's, that's not They, what know, they don't commit to any particular idea,
0: but that, that basically wraps up her little pool hall story. Um, we'll go back to Hawks' story right now. Oh yeah. Cause he's. He, well, West is, West is really spending money. West is really spending money because he's hanging out with Hawks in this bar still. Hawks cannot figure out how Wang managed to pick up that girl on the dance floor. He tries, uh, Wang had a pickup line about how, didn't we go to different schools at the same time? Some sort of terrible pickup line. Yeah,
2: but it works for him. So then Hawks, I actually thought that was kind of cute. cute. And then he tried, he tried the line. He's like, didn't we go to the same school, but at different times, which makes him look like a creep. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And it obviously doesn't work. So he's just like, but he had a funny line too. He goes, he goes to West. He's like, are those like those women that don't like men? Yeah, when the women don't respond, he yeah. like like he, a real dirtbag. <laughs> he just assumes they're lesbians if uh, if they if, if they don't like him.
0: I mean, they kind of soften it by they start getting into it, and like he just has no idea anything about
2: like intimacy or sex or women. And well, like, he well he even says he's like we come out eighteen and we're like eighteen year olds, so we have the same yeah we have feelings urges. and urges, we but we no, don't know anything how no to no idea how to express this at all. Yeah, exactly, and. And he's kind of talking to West
0: about it. And West is actually probably the most I've ever liked West is like in these scenes, because he's just asking West for like advice or how does this work? Because he dropped out of tank school. And West is just
2: like, I gotta get drunk. Yeah. Like, West just is like, I don't know how to start answering these questions. Yeah. They've softened his character too. They, they clearly, from the beginning of the episode, really were wanting to have this antagonistic relationship between the two men. And I think. The writers and everyone involved realized it wasn't working. It was actually more annoying than anything, so they've softened it now to the point where they're clearly friends. And through the you I, know various battles and stuff they've had, they, there's a connection now between those characters. I, I liked this kind of annoying little brother moment. Like, it, I th- I thought it worked too. It well worked too.
0: for me too. Essentially, though, what happens is a girl walks up. Wes starts talking to him. Uh, Susie, I believe her name is, mm-hmm. and Wes realizes very quickly that she's a prostitute. Yeah. So. He goes over and he hires her to help Hawks out. Yeah. This is like, he's really throwing money around. Yeah. She's just like, he's a tank. It's going to cost you extra. You know, that's kind of yeah. like more establishing this world. But this is kind of what his episode is going to be about Hawks is he's been hired a prostitute. And he's going to learn about sexuality, I guess. Yeah. Um, so when she comes back to like take him with, she's like, well, come with me, Hawks. I'm going to teach you about stuff hawks is like slamming green meanies because as
2: we almost forgot he's an addict yeah because yeah we forgot about that because that's a plot line and she's very excited because she's also a big fan of the green meanies she sees them and she's like oh we're gonna have a real good time and
0: it's this whole thing where they go back to her birth i guess it's just like also just kind of an ugly piece of set design Mm -hmm. she's got candles everywhere which i'm like that's a fire hazard and they kind of like start fooling around she's like no kissing and hawks is like okay i don't know how any of this works and it's revealed that she is also a tank that's why she's also addicted to green
2: meanies um she's a tank but then but is don't they imply at one point that she's (laughs) i mean i don't know if it's cute don't they imply at one point that she's gonna be like like kissing him right on his little neck navel
0: oh i don't know do they yeah oh i i just thought like it was
2: gross it was me i was
0: like i don't know if that's the case i don't i didn't catch that (laughs) You, you'll rewatch it she i know she said she's like a tank should at first time she was a tank because we're the only ones who understand each other i don't know i maybe that's what she meant she's just gonna kiss his little neck navel <laughs> we kind of go to commercial break and when we come back hawks is kind of postcoital on the bed yeah fully dressed i yeah. don't i don't actually know if he got anywhere yeah it's it's weird because they sort of imply it but it doesn't yeah it's also funny know. it's such a weird Sort of old school idea that just like, yeah, his first time should just be with a prostitute because that'll mm-hmm. make it easier for him going forward. Like, I thought they might back away from that or like it wouldn't happen, but then it's like, they quite clearly it's like, yeah, that's what happened. And I'm yeah. just like,
2: what a weird. They went for this very uh, sort of 19, 1940s World War Two, you know, young men off in war and yeah. they're having their first sexual experience sort of thing. I
0: thought they might back away from that, but they don't. It's, it's weird. And then the rest of this scenes with him and this woman, Susie, are. Like the biggest drug prostitute melodrama you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. In in the span of like 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Like Hawks goes up to go to the bathroom. He opens the door and there's a nursery with a baby in it. And Hawks just starts being like, "You're a bad mother, bringing yeah. your kid onto this thing." And then she reveals she's like, "I'm a prostitute. You just had sex with a prostitute." And, he's <laughs> like, and Hawks is like, "What? I had no idea." Yeah. And they start, and then, then fight, they're
2: like fighting over pills. They're
0: and, fighting about how she's a drug addict and how dare she raise a baby as a drug addict. And I'm just like, "This, like, it's all the most melodramatic scene from a movie from 19 like 52 or something." Yeah. Hawks steals her pills because she shouldn't have them. And then he grabs a wad of money. She's like, he's like, I'm gonna pay you for these. And she's like, No, I'll give back my pills. And he opens the door to the baby's room, who's just wailing. He starts throwing the money on the baby. He's like, That's where that money should be spent. And I'm like,
2: What is going on? I don't know. It's and it was like the combination. There's just that's two plots though. There was the him essentially losing his virginity and, and being a drug addict. And being a drug addict. Yeah. Neither one really ends in any satisfying way. No,
0: it's it's such a weird scene. and like the scene ends like they're kind of not hitting each other, but they're like jumping at each other, slapping each other, and at some point he flips a table covered in candles, and I was like, oh, that's why the alarms going off in the show. He's burnt down. Bucket. Was it? Was that why? No. It no turns oh out, no, that's right. Because yeah, there's an attack. It, yeah, it yeah. turns out that's not what's happening. But when I saw him flip that, I'm like, oh, this is
2: what's happened. But no, I. It's such a weird scene. It's so weird. You know what I liked? <laughs> this is just a weird thing. When she when you first introduced what was her name, Susie? Yeah. When you first introduced her, she's wearing like a very low cut top and it's it's they, they imply very quickly that that's what she's there for. She's, yeah. she's showing showing off the wares yeah. as it as it were. Um but then but then when he comes back to her rooms later, she's wearing more clothing than she was when she first Like she's wearing like a nighty of some sort, but she's con- entirely covered. And I thought that was a interesting strategy for a prostitute. I mean, I think it's just this
0: show. It's just so, so chaste for some reason. Well, also just like, I don't know. It's such
2: a weird show. These scenes were really... This episode, I kept thinking while watching it, imagine someone tuned into this show for the first time they watched this episode. You would have no idea what this show is about. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what the show is about, what kind of show it is. It just, you're like, what is this? It's just a weird mishmash of scenes. Yeah. It's, it is a crazy episode. Going back
0: to West for a second, we'll kind of wrap up the final storyline on the ship. We catch up with him. Now that he's given all his money away, he's just kind of wandering the corridors randomly. Mm-hmm. And earlier on when McQueen arrived on the ship, there's a big thing about how we've got your special room set up for you, McQueen. And he kind of wanders away off to do whatever secret thing McQueen does. Mm-hmm. And anyway, West is walking by this door. And he just randomly opens one of the doors he walks by. And as he does, we finally see what McQueen's been up to. What was it? I can't remember now. McQueen's just sitting in a dark movie theater watching old W.C. Fields oh, black that's and right. white movies. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, when McQueen sees him, he's like, well, might as well join me. <laughs> yeah.
2: So the two of them just sit there and watch black and white movies together. They just couldn't think of anything else for him to be doing. Also, let me let me point out. They needed rest. They had 48 hours. You think they would have just caught up on some sleep? Oh Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's very weird, and they're not even there before you. Like, I,
0: I think they are they're there for lesson. three hours. Yeah, because this is this alarm that keeps going off at the end of every storyline is sort of revealed, and what it is is they're just the alarm is from
2: Sar- Saratoga. There's a big battle. They're recalling all the troops back, which is again is a weird stutter stop in this episode because they set up you're going to this planet and they're suddenly no no we're back into this gray battlefield. You're like oh okay, and then they're there longer than you think. Yeah, well that's
0: kind of it. Like they jump from the ship into the middle of a battle that's very, I'm not sure what's going on. They're pushing on a Chig flank or something. And we're kind of get back into the story. Sub- like, it's a really bad battle, I guess, we're supposed to take mm-hmm. into it. Like They're
2: really under attack. Wang and Damfu start making out because they didn't get a chance back to on the ship. They do it, but it's clumsily done that there's this heat of the moment and they have such anxiety whatever they just go for it they yeah. just start and then you know and uh, mcqueen's like what are you guys doing and and, and then they, they're like oh yeah what are we doing and we catch back up with hawks and now he's just like chugging back
0: green meanies getting high and he's like useless on the battlefield and then the attack just kind of stops and they're like oh we push through let's keep going like it's we're dropped into the middle of a battle we pick up on two plot lines mm-hmm. one one for down and wang one for hawks that aren't resolved and then the battle stops.
2: Well, yeah, they have them go, like, you guys need to be more of a team. And then they just shoot more, and then the, it's over.
0: And then it's over. And we cut back to the Saratoga again. And what we see is Hawks is being put into a detox mm-hmm. because if he doesn't go into detox, he's going to be thrown out of the army. And I was like, should have kept that honorable discharge. Should have yep. thrown that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we see Danfus and Wang bump into each other the hallway, and they're like, "Hey, that was awkward when we made it out, huh?" It's like, "Yeah, let's never do that again." And they just like shake on it, and they're just like,
2: "Yeah, plotline done. Don't worry about that." Yeah, I, I think they'll never go back to it. Even in Star Trek: The Next Generation, they called back to Data and Tasha Yar for that one episode that could have just very easily been a thing like, "We'll never mention that again." But even they called back to it. This just was like, eh. yeah. And then the show wraps up as
0: uh, with West going to visit Hawks and Detox with a bunch of W.C. Fields black and white movies to watch together. Yeah. And I was just like, this episode, more than any, felt so schizophrenic to me.
2: Honestly, of all the shows we've seen, this was the poorest execution I think I've ever seen an episode. I mean, not compared to Nightmare World, but... Nightmare World? Remember where they went to uh, the place where all their fears came true? That that episode was a better structure than this one. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... This is- this is a real love point. Yeah. Well, no, there's moments that are fun. Like, Duchovny's ridiculous. And the pool Coolio hall stuff. Cooler shows. Up. Cool, like, all this stuff. You're like, this is, this sounds like a great episode. It's like, it's not. It's not at all. Yeah. It, real
0: weird. Like, this should have been a slam dunk, a go to a pleasure planet, a Riza episode.
2: Yeah. Like, like a caper could have happened. It could have been they're there all to, to uh, rest and something happens and they've, they've got to go find the jewel and they all like team up. It's like, it could have been something silly and fun. And instead they went, Hey, I think we have a bunch of storylines we haven't done yet. Let's just all jam them together in a yeah. way in a co- incoherent mess. I mean, when you get a shore leave or an R and R episode on
0: one of these shows, usually the implication is it's going to be a fun episode. And this one yeah. was
2: no. Let's make it also gritty and dramatic. I've said this before, and the show I would most compare this to, although it's not really like it, is Mash. Except I watch Mash and I go. I know what they're going for and they execute their ideas very well. This seems like they go for the same ideas and they just swing and miss every time.
0: They can't decide tonally. It's just the tone swings too much sometimes. All right. Let's let's just rate these and like finish it up, I guess, because we could talk about the missteps in these two episodes
2: forever. Well, what do do you think about this first one? I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence. I don't even know. Some of these, I don't know if I like them or hate them. You know what? I'm feeling the exact same way. Like with Pearly...
0: Elements of it work. Elements of it are good. I mean, but elements of it are a, a bit of a mess. I, I Like, the Wang plot just never clicked. Yeah. Whereas the stuff with the British guy worked slowly over time. But
2: didn't you think, when I first had him introduced, I was actually hoping he would become a new character that's on the ship as just someone, like you said, someone who has a sense of humor and who's an interesting kind of yeah. character. But they were like, no, we'll just stick with these people who are really upset all the time.
0: Well, I guess that's what they're sort of doing, is they're sort of subbing in these like one-offs, hoping to have lightened the tone, like when yeah. strawberries came on and like
2: right. these guys. Anyways, I'm gonna think I'm gonna go right down the middle and give this a five because I think it just it didn't wasn't good enough to be above that and wasn't bad enough to be below it.
0: I'm gonna do that too. I, cause just because it's hard, it's hard to hard to say what to do with it. What about R, the uh,
2: rest and relaxation? I'm giving R and R a 2.5 2.5 Wow that point, So 0. 0.5 is for Coolio 0.5 is for Duchovny And the rest is what I think of the episode
0: <laughs> Um. You know what? I honestly It's so hard to know what to give this episode
2: I'm just going to follow you I'm going to Because I don't know what to think of these episodes well, That's the thing You know what my first my Honestly my, my What I wrote at the end here My last note to myself was I don't know how to feel about this It's such a mess Do I give it a 1 or a 10? That's my note because you don't know because there's so many weird, fun little elements that just don't work. And it's a real shame because this could have been just a really fun, silly science fiction episode and they just didn't want to commit or it just didn't come together. And we've said it before, but these episodes in a nutshell are what's happened to this show. It doesn't know what kind of show it wants to be for whatever reason, whether it's exterior factors or they just didn't have the right people in place but it's pulled in a whole bunch of different directions and what you end up with is with stuff that you go oh that's kind of cool oh no it didn't work oh that's neat no it didn't work again that's what the show is i will i will say this is the first i think talking about it now maybe solidified
0: that for me but these are the first two episodes the first time watching the series where i'm like you know what i could walk away and not watch anymore right i was just like this is too just like equally let downy episodes that could have been good. Like I'm like feeling the fatigue and I'm starting to feel, I'm like, this is why the show didn't move forward. Yeah. It it has every reason it should work and could work, but you watch
2: two episodes like this and you're just like, I guess there's nothing here. If you looked on paper, everything here should work and this should be a great show. And there's moments of where you go, yes, this is it. This is it. But they're, they're fleeting and they're, sadly few and far between and more and more now i feel the episodes not that they're phoning it in but the opportunities to save themselves are just going away
0: yeah they just they keep just letting things slip through their fingers yeah and we
2: know. only have a few more episodes of it so i don't know it might redeem itself but how many more do we have like four more four episodes? episodes there's like four episodes left i mean i want to see how it all kind of comes to an end I, this is just so it's just too bad this is just yeah.
0: too bad uh, that this is how it's all kind of culminating
2: so what's our rating right now Do you have a? Can you punch into the computer there? Uh, I
0: punched into the computer and we're actually at 6.40. So, I mean, still relatively good for this show. Like, it Mm. still got a pretty high rating for the series we've watched. Well, you gave a 10 to that one
2: episode. Yeah, but Sharon
0: gave it like zero. So, (laughs) basically, your score was the one that like counted. (laughs) So, don't worry. It all evened out in the wash. No, Carlotta's room. Am I right? Oh, upset? no, this is my Carlotta's. <laughs> <laughs> I'll always remember Commodore Ross's strawberries. Yeah. All right. Well, if you disagree with us or you agree with us or, I don't know, you just want to send us an email and say hi. Uh, you can get a hold of us at ContinuandDrag
2: Don't you wish Keith is me would email us? Oh, that'd be a
0: dream come it true. It would be. It would be great.
2: I'd, I'd put him on the show if he emailed
0: <laughs> Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, a little Colin segment. Mm-hmm. If you want to see a tank crying... You can check out Instagram and Twitter at Continuum Drag. We'll put some uh, little videos up there later, later this week. Um, and then other than that, Jordan, I guess that wraps it up for the episode.
2: Another one in the can. And uh, we're we're really now coming to the, uh, what do they say when race cars? And down the stretch they come. That's We're, us. we're on the home stretch. Yeah. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. What was, what was the thing that I said? Enjoy a beer there, Chiggy boy. What did he say? Uh, this beer is for you Chicky Boy yeah this beer is for you Chicky Boy but like
0: like a robot this beer is for you Chicky Boy that's perfect great bye Continuum Drag is recorded at Astro Lab Studios in Toronto, Ontario theme music by James Rick produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley and Dwayne Wright